Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hello and welcome to In Conversation, a Dub Lab podcast where each week we will bring you interviews from the Dub Lab Radio Archives. Dublab.com. It's Celsius Drop. My name is Frosty and happy to be here. As always, Thursday mornings going strong. 10 a.m. to noon here on Dublab Los Angeles time. And glad to have you in the place. Thrilled to be here. Today we're going to have a very special guest, Tashi Wada. He's going to be talking about his new album, fittingly titled New. And it's on Revenge International. Tashi Wada, how are you? Hi, um, good. Good morning. Happy to be here. I like uh, you mentioned a minute ago that it's sort of like uh, seeing someone in the airport because it's there's like scattered energy, everybody rushing around, you know, checking their uh, boarding passes. And, you know, we're about to take flight, hopefully to the same destination. Yeah, it's fun to see everyone doing what they're doing here. Mm -hmm. Drinking coffee. Well, thanks for coming in. You have uh, a really um, great new album, part of the Revenge International Freakway series. This is volume 14, Freakway's uh, multi-generational bridge between creative musicians. This one is Tashiwara with Yoshiwara and Friends. Freakway's volume 14 and it is called Nue. I've been calling it New, but um, it is it is indeed New regardless, and it's a great one. We'll hear a bit of this, um, I'm sure, during the show. Uh, if not, people can uh, dig it on up themselves because it is out there. Tell us about the origin of that project or any other project. Um, well, this... I'd been wanting to do um, a large-scale recording project like this for a while, and um, it it took a while to find the right circumstances. Um, but as with many things, um, things just kind of lined up at a certain point. I had been um, performing with my dad, Yoshiwara, for about eight years um and we never really found our way into a recording studio in a proper way um we did one recording um and um over the years i we had involved a lot of different people um julia holter she's was performing with us for the past few years and um cory fogel um the drummer um was also performing with us, so um, this was a this record was a way to kind of gather all these things up um, and bring some new people into the mix. Mo they're all friends, um, and um, and did you meet yeah. them? You're you're at CalArts. Yes. 
are those because both of Corey and Julia were also CalArts, correct? Yeah, I mean, CalArts is a pretty wide network of people in LA. I didn't actually go to school with either of them, okay. um, but you know, through the through the um, network of people at CalArts, I met them. Yeah, it is definitely uh, has its uh, tendrils deep in in Los Angeles. Um, and beyond, but you know, you were studying composition there, or what was? Yeah, that? I moved to LA to study um, composition at CalArts with James Tenney, mm-hmm. um, who passed away shortly after um, me arriving there. Um, but I did uh, work with him for a year, mm-hmm. and um, and what yeah. kind of uh, uh, imprint did he leave on on you, if any? Um. I would say, I mean, it's partially historical. Um, he was very deeply um, involved in understanding the history of music and how it related to science and to the visual arts. Um, he would make these um, these diagrams where he was comparing the different time periods. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I mean, just basic things uh, that I was interested in, um, psychoacoustics, um, Tuning, uh, alternate tuning in music. Um, these are all things that he had um, pioneered over the years uh, in his different types of work. Hmm. So it was uh, good that you, you caught him for a year, and uh, but also kind of continued in a way working within his world because you were also involved in, in kind of an archive of... He, he, he made postcards, right? Yeah, and now... Um, for a while now, I've been working on his archive. Um, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, that's it's a extensive project because he was a very um, prolific person. He had, you know, he was involved in Fluxus, Bell yeah. Labs, um, all all kinds of uh, things, and um, all of these this different type of media needs to be um, um, sorted out. Um, yeah. He was in touch with you know people from. Um, Verez to yeah. m- people more recently. Um, so Kanye um, West. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, you would be surprised. Yeah, yeah. yeah probably. I mean, <laughs> well, what's interesting is the, you know, in the sixties and seventies at Cal arts and, and the work that was being done there. And yeah, I mean, a whole new world, you know, whether, whether it was the, the Fluxus group, you know, or the, you know, in, in a way, children of KG kind of aesthetics or, all of these things that were brewing and were kind of were fringe, but also had some institutional connections. But people doing this really good open work, those things do filter into the mainstream in many ways. Sometimes even you know subliminal kind of ways that they have an effect. Just ways to view sound, you know, yeah. pure sound, which is interesting. You mentioned your father, um, who's a. a, a one of the main collaborators on this new record, Nue Yoshiwada. And so growing up in, in a space with, with a father who, who was part of the Fluxus movement and doing really interesting uh, compositional work, working with psychoacoustics and other things, how did that kind of uh, color your experience? And we'll hear a bit of music so you can kind of get placed in that. Um, but maybe, maybe we should actually hear the music first and then talk about it. What do you think? Sure. Yeah, that could but, be good, and we'll we'll loop back um, Nue again, the the new album, as uh, Tashi mentioned, uh, collaborating with Yoshiwara, Julia Holter, uh, Corey Fogel, 
Simone Forti, Cole Mjian, and more. But we're going to hear a piece right now um, from this is from Yoshi. This is a um, this uh, well with an album like this. There's so many influences going into it. So this is a. I guess this would be a sort of collaborative. Um, so this is a piece from Nui. Yes. This okay. is Oh yes, this is from Nui. Yes. And what's the title of this? This is uh, Double Body. Double Body. Yeah. So we're going to give you Double Body here on dublab.com. Double Body, and that is from Tashi Wada with Yoshi Wada and Friends, Freakways Volume 14 on Revenge International. What's the scoop? Tell us about Double Body. Um, Double Body. I, I guess um, I'm not sure if I have that much to say about that track indiv- like individually, but um i i with the album in general um i was interested in um trying to create a world um and within all these little worlds that um i guess like sort of like a sequence of dreams um that was and um one of the major um for myself one of the major aspects of this album was working with Cole, um, MGN, who, um, produced the album. Um, it, uh, if you listen to this in comparison to other work I've done or other work my, my dad has done, um, it has much more of a produced sound. Mm -hmm. Um, and, um, that was definitely interesting to me to go into a studio and treat all of the recorded material as malleable and not, necessarily just recording a performance Mm. which is um kind of more typical of experimental music is that um especially when it involves like acoustic instruments is that you try to replicate something that Mm. exists out in the world um as a performance or um uh, practice and this was much more um uh i guess it ultimately it's more traditional in the sense of recording um used the studio but uh for me um that process was interesting to dive into and cole was like the perfect person because he's um a wizard and all of that stuff yeah so the recorded material was that all recorded in the studio and then there was an assembly stage and kind of a composition stage or or was the composition stage also within the recording the raw recorded elements what what do you consider the kind of shaping of every moment um well we were we um the material was composed in advance yeah um and then it was i mean essentially it was really just shaped through Mm. mixing and editing and um uh, processing um, mm-hmm. and so I guess I wouldn't say there was a whole lot of composing in at that phase but um, uh, the sort of atmosphere of the recordings mm-hmm. is um, a big part of it for me um, 
of course, there's like the groundwork of the compositions. Um, so yeah, hopefully um, uh, that comes across that there's these sort of multiple layers of things going on. Um, you mentioned earlier psychoacoustics. For people out there um, who, who might not understand what that is, can you just kind of briefly explain that? And also, is that challenging to essentially transfer that to tape? You know, you're working in the acoustics of a specific space, but then you're you're flying it into, you know, whatever wizard box Cole is using and you're working with, but to then kind of transfer that to the final stage to the listener of the recorded material. Yeah, I mean, that's, um, I think that does sort of tie back to what I was saying. I mean, with, um, you know, with recordings and, you know, you have no no idea of how people are going to be listening to them in their car, on their phone, um, probably mostly on their phone at this point. Um, mm. uh, it's less likely someone's going to be sitting in front of like a really nice stereo. Um, uh, but of course, you know, you want to, and so you want to make, I don't know, for myself, you want to make it so that it transfers across these. Um, it's not just... Um, in an ideal circumstance, you hear everything. So, um, the, yeah, the acoustical effects, um, you know, beating, uh, uh, when two tones are close together and they, um, interfere with each other or the tuning, um, yeah, I guess the, um, the idea with this for me was to make it something that was, um, transferable in different circumstances um because you know it, it's that's the thing about like with a recording a performance um you're not in the space you don't have the energy etc so um yeah yeah i don't know it felt honest to me to try to do it this way even though it's like you're creating an artificial space in, in a way i mean that's the again the beauty of recording music is it can be its own thing and live separate from a live performance a couple months back, you performed in Los Angeles um, with your father, with Corey, with uh, Julia, and the the sheer kind of power of it. I mean, there's points where, where you and your father are both playing bagpipes. There's kind of air raid sirens happening, large kind of kettle drums. Um, you're feeling this boom big, big kind of power, um, for you in those spaces playing with an ensemble like that? Is it, 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 tell us about the, the feeling of being there with friends and, and kind of bringing forth these sounds, both big, but also very kind of controlled and spare at certain times as well. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I grew up performing, um, since I was a kid, uh, I played classical piano and, um, so the the live performance situation is kind of i guess that would be more what i live for it's like the thing that kind of keeps it going and um uh yeah that's the driving force um for me for sure and um i think that's where everything gets figured out for me, like, mm. um, in a live situation. Um, do you kind of make mental notes about sounds or, or moments while you're playing to then hopefully replicate or record something or, or kind of move in a different compositional direction after the fact? Yeah, for sure. And, and, um, 
In terms of like uh, writing music and composition, um, some work I do is very um, precisely notated and um, there's a very clear goal. But in in many cases, it there is a large element of improvisation. Mm-hmm. So in um, in that looseness, um, all kinds of things happen, and sometimes you can you can remember them. Um, sometimes you try them again, and they, they're not what you thought they were. But um, a lot of stuff comes out of that, and um, yeah, uh, I def- definitely knew it as an album. Much of this came out of doing stuff live and experimenting in that way, and. Um, after a while, it settles, and you, yeah. Is there a piece on the record that that you right now distinctly remember, kind of being somewhat birthed from a live experience that we could hear something that that might have taken shape first, performing live and then filtered into recorded work? Yeah, um, I would say. Um, Maybe it's tricky because there's also probably snatches and elements with it. No, no, no. We we can do this. Um, I I would say um, fanfare um, is there's a lot going on in it, um, and it's very layered. But the general um, kind of energy behind it um, mm-hmm. is uh, something that. Um, my dad and I kind of always strive for at some point. I mean, not not an exclusion of other things, but in a performance, that's mm-hmm. like the the energy behind that um, is something that's uh, kind of uh, centerpiece. Well, let's get energetic. Let's hear fanfare. This is from Tashiwata with Yoshiwata and Friends. Nue Freakways, Volume Fourteen on Revenge International. It's dublab.com here with Tashiwata. Yoshiwara and friends. What was the instrumentation on that? Um, so there's uh, there's synths, um, uh, bagpipes, percussion, sirens, um, and electronics. Mm. Yeah, I think that's it. Yeah. It's a, it's beautiful the yeah gorgeous kind of dynamics of that piece. There's also a great video, and uh, it's a video that's part of our our Border Blaster season two. If you cruise to borderblaster.org, TV show on KCT, gonna give a quick plug to that. But happy to share that video, and the the bagpipes. Can you tell us a bit about your connection to the bagpipes? Um, I mean, my connection to bagpipes is pretty straightforward um it comes from my dad's playing bagpipes and he started playing in the uh i guess the late 70s um i don't claim to play bagpipe well but i um i basically just taught myself with uh through my dad and he he studied like um uh scottish bagpipe um 
it's a, um, like a passion of his to this day. Um, it's, you know, it's very physically demanding and my dad is in his seventies, um, mid to late seventies now. So it's, um, it's, uh, hard to keep it up, but it's, um, it's fun. It's, uh, it's very muscular and, um, uh, when you do it, I mean, it, it's definitely one of these things that, um, when you're on a stage and you're playing bagpipe, it's like this, uh, kind of feels athletic and it's, uh, what is the most, ath- is it, is it the breath? Is it the arm? Is it kind of all, all the elements? It just feels like an extension of your body that it feels like a, you know, you're, you're blowing into this, this animal skin. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, at this point they're mostly synthetic, but the one I have is an actual animal skin. Um, mm-hmm. it's probably not typical anymore because you know, the, um, synthetic is just easier, but, uh, it, yeah, it, it feels like another lung. Um, and it's so loud, especially when you have multiple, um, bagpipes and you play bagpipe generally, um, uh, in unison. So it amplifies and you get this, um, this crazy, uh, overtones, um, as it goes in and out of phase and, um, tune. Yeah. It's a very, uh, primal as you know as you would expect that was the the instrument was you know for this military instrument was there a point where you specifically said i i want to start experimenting with bagpipe i mean you mentioned it was kind of there your father has been playing it for a long time were you drawn to it um no i mean i think it just kind of evolved pretty naturally i mean it it really was it is my dad's thing and i um through us performing together, I was always playing on keyboard and organ and mm-hmm. things like this and electronics. And um, they really, um, bagpipes really, um, they really come to life when you play them together. So, um, yeah, it was kind of out of necessity. I mean, one thing we were doing, which was for a long time, which was very interesting, is we would travel to different parts of the world, um, mostly Europe, um, and play, invite, uh, local bagpipe players. Um, and you find bagpipe all over the world. Um, you know, of course in, uh, United Kingdom, you know, Scotland and, but also Spain, mm-hmm. Italy. Um, and they all have their own form of bagpipe music. And it's really amazing to see the different styles and, um, it's a very usually very tied to the place and the culture and the you know the folk music yeah uh, in Scotland it's more classical music but yeah and your so your whole life you've had this kind of uh, arts space around you both your father your father composer performer um, your mother. Um, was also involved in, in the in is in the visual arts as well. Um, did this just always seem kind of to be a possibility? Was there no questioning? Because I think that these are things that are very you know progressive kind of unique art forms. What what type of uh, visual arts was your mother and is your mother involved in? Um, well, she she had a, a gallery with her um, then partner um, in San Francisco. Uh, um, and they did a lot of performance and, um, you know, it was the 
Bay Area conceptual art scene, um, Terry Fox, mm. Tom Marioni, um, that whole world um, of the 70s, early 70s. No, more like late 70s, I guess, um, at that point. Um, and would you attend a lot of these performances? This was before I was my okay. time. <laughs> but that is where my, um, where my parents met. Um, mm. My dad was performing there. Um, yeah, the gallery is called Sight. Um, there's not really that much information about it online, but there is a catalog uh, they made um, to kind of commemorate the gallery after it was, I think it was towards the end of it, but um, really amazing um, programming. Mm. They would have one artist, the, the current artist um, who had the space for a month, um, select the next artist. Great. So it's nice. It's passing around this scene. Kind of an exquisite corpse curation or something. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and speaking of performance, there's an artist who's who's involved in this record and 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 you've been involved with for a while, uh, Simone Forti. Can you tell us about your connection to Simone and and um, her involvement in this? Yeah. Um, Simone. Um, I I grew up in New York. Uh, in Manhattan, in Soho, and um, my my dad and Simone go you know way back into late sixties. I, I think they probably met around then. Um, but they share they they bought um, a floor of a loft building in Soho, and um, apparently it was previously owned by the. Um, I think it's Barnum and Bailey, the circus. Wow. <laughs> um, so they had elephants in there, apparently. Um, but anyway, they they bought a floor together and split it in half. Um, this is on between on Spring Street between Mercer and um, Broadway. Um, so I, she was basically our neighbor when I was growing up, and um, Simone. And um, then she moved to Vermont, and um, we reconnected when I moved to LA to go to. Cal Arts and she's been living here. She was teaching at UCLA and yeah, she's um become a very close friend. I um uh, uh put together a collection of her recorded works um which I don't think people knew about. Um I don't think I would have known about it unless I was, you know, since I was close to her I could had access to these things. Um, and people know more of her her dance. Yeah. Yes, yes. She's known primarily as a um, dancer, mover, yeah. choreographer. Um, and yeah, the the Box Gallery um, run by Mara McCarthy, they've done a lot of work like uh, dealing with her archive and making all this other side of her work known. Because mm. she's worked in, you know, visual arts and, you know, video, everything. So this uh, collection called Al Dila. And it's uh, on Saltern, just came out this year, uh, Simon Forti. Should we hear a piece from this? Do you want to hear even a snippet of a piece from this? And then I'd love to maybe hear kind of a, a touch of how she touched the new album and talk about that. Um, I actually have a, um, I have a track that didn't make ah, it onto the record, which is... Exclusive. Which, <laughs> um, which is it, it's it, it will be obvious why we didn't include it, but um, you know Tashi smells so weird, like pick. <laughs> um, you don't use mugged. 
This is uh, for all you radio folks out there. I'm going to... I'll just play it and then we can... The title doesn't need to be said before. Let's check it out. Here is a piece from uh, Simone Forti. It's Dub Lab here with Tashi Wada. Uh, well, you mentioned that it would be obvious why it, it wouldn't uh, make it onto the record, but but please elaborate. Why, um, why wouldn't that make it on the record? Yeah, we wanted to include it. Uh, um, it was supposed to be like a, a last track. Um, we did go through all of our possible channels to um, get permission to use um, Full on the Hill. Um, in whatever capacity, um, but you know, all the doors shut. Um, I don't think the people who are in control has really kind of got the the um, the humor and the playfulness of it. But. Which is funny because it's such a humorous and playful kind of piece to begin with. Yeah, <laughs> and so much of the work. But yeah. I was I was happy to. Um, try and yes um i was just i was curious to see where it would go and it didn't go very far but um yeah it's called um fool on the hill an italian folk song by the way the the, the journey is the destination right so yeah. the the just <laughs> simply uh, having the conversations i'm sure uh was probably interesting yeah so good. So Simone Forti and again uh, on Saltern imprint there is a al di la and this is a collection of Simone Forti's uh, sound works that uh, Tashi has released. Um, and coming up at uh, Zebulon, October 17th, that's going to be a, a great one. Um, lots of uh, uh, good friends. I don't know if that is that surprise. Should I not say who the friends are? Or does oh, it no, say? no, no. Okay. okay. No, no. Um, yeah, Simone is... Um, joining us and uh jessica kenny uh, amazing vocalist um and uh laura steenberg very yeah. dear old friend um all local um yeah it's it's um i'm really happy to that they're all gonna be part of it um in addition to uh julia and Corey. um can't wait for that. That's uh, October 17th at Zebulon. More information at zebulon.la, October 17th. Cruise on by. So you mentioned Julia Holter, um, long-term collaborator, and um, she's one of the friends on this friendly album. But you also um, uh, play with her on her, her albums as well. Can you talk about that uh, creative uh, partnership? Yeah, I'm Julia, and I um, we've I mean we've known each other for so long now, um, and we um, yeah, I guess it's another one of these situations where very organically we've become inv- involved in each other's projects. We have some projects together. Um, um, I'm playing her band now, and she has a new record coming out. Um, 
birthday this month, Aviary. Um, mm. and, Which um, is great. Such yeah. a beautiful album. Yeah, and similar people. Um, Corey also plays uh, in her band. Cole uh, worked on her record. Um, so it's, yeah, I don't know. That that's a, I guess that's also maybe an extension of like my um, relationship to playing music with my dad. It's like it uh, feels very natural to to just be working with um close friends and having that kind of um those long relationships that have developed over time and um influencing each other and pushing each other and mm. traveling together you know these um so was it cal arts that brought you to los angeles um because you you mentioned you were in new york prior and kind of grew up in new york did CalArts pull you out here, and have you stayed in LA? Made this your primary home since? Yeah, um, I was. I did um, live in the Bay Area in San Francisco for um, for different periods of time. Um, mm-hmm. But yes, I moved here originally to go to CalArts, and I've been here more or less consistently since um, 2005. Um, so it's been a while now. Yeah. And is it a space that you feel fosters collaboration or is it just kind of the lucky circles that you've found yourself in? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I would say yes. Um, I also did have the opportunity to go to CalArts, which is like, you know, it's a pretty extensive network and mm. I, not everyone has that chance. So um, I feel lucky for that. And um, yeah, it, it's... Um, having lived in other cities and been part of other music scenes, um, the, the LA scene, um, of music feels, um, I don't know. There's a kind of fluidity Mm. among the different like genres of music and thing that just, it just feels very open ended. And, um, it's, I don't feel like it's. I don't feel like I get stuck in one area of music, which is um, good for me uh, and just my curiosity about other types of music. Mm. Um, I, I like, um, you know, a, a space like Zebulon is like it's amazing that one night to the next, um, what you hear there, and that's um, perfect for me as a music listener and you know to to just absorb things like that. Yeah, it's a, it seems to be. A broad, expansive city as far as uh, the embrace of different sounds or overlapping of communities, which uh, also then filters into what comes out of the kind of original music realm happens. Should we hear uh, another piece from Nue? Um, maybe that, that you mentioned Julia that features Julia um, or Corey. I mean, a, lo- a lot of them do. But is there another piece you'd like to share from the album? Yeah, this um and what what is Nue by the way? Can you um the the name itself is that what is the uh, inspiration behind that? Nue um I I I can't claim to really know like like the deep history behind it. It's more my own take on it, but Nue is a mythological um Japanese mythological um it's like almost like a spirit. Mm. Um I don't know exactly the history of it having a like a physical form but it exists as um this kind of beast um not necessarily um um 
attractive. It's like a kind of scary thing, but it it has different parts of uh, different animals. Um, mm. So it has the head of a lion and the tail of a snake and um yeah it it uh it's a complicated it's a complicated <laughs> thing and it's very um it's sort of pieced together and um uh but and and i kind of like it because it it uh just as a as a as an element it it for me at least it um it's it's uh, appealing but also sort of a little scary Mm-hmm. Um, like there's something kind of enticing about it, but then it, it, um, yeah, it evokes different emotions, which I like. And I, that's kind of how I feel about the album too. Like it, it, uh, goes into different places. It's nuance and duality. Yeah, exactly. Definitely duality. Um, so what's this piece? This is, um, mutable signs. Um, and this does, uh, feature Julia very heavily, um, Let's uh, jump in. It's dublive.com with my special guest, Tashi Wada. with Yoshiwara and friends. One of those friends, uh, her voice was heard there, Julia Holter. And again, this uh, album is out now on Revenge International, part of the Freakway series number 14 in that series. And um, so you went through this this uh, process of composition, recording, raw material, shaping it in the, in the studio um, with, with Cole and and now getting into also live performances uh again of this material how does it feel to to now be kind of playing this work back and are you exclusively playing these pieces or are you also kind of in live performances doing doing other things um yeah right now we're we're playing the record pretty closely um mm-hmm. with you know some changes and um some added things and reordering but um yeah, I my my feeling is because we're going to be doing a bit of touring this year and next year um, is is to start close to the album and then let it kind of diverge and new th- new elements come mm-hmm. in. But it's a it's primarily a trio um, uh, of um, Julia, Corey, and me mm-hmm. um, doing these these live shows. So um, and it's fun to work out together because we've played together so much. And, yeah. Um, yeah, just to lay into it and um, start and um, see see them on the other end after like you know an hour or so. Yeah. <laughs> hey, you're still there. Has um you know you mentioned earlier James Tenney, um, who you connected with at Cal Arts and were, have been involved in his archive and other things, and, and your father Yoshiwada, um, who's connected to Fluxus. There've been these kind of, you know, musical movements that are kind of either loose or very kind of defined that have manifestos and have, you know, these kind of uprisings where everything's kind of like burned down and built anew. 
in your world do you do you feel like there's something kind of definable that you're part of or is it more of kind of a fluid you know form these days do we need manifestos and movements now or do you feel that we're building on what's come before or burning what's come before um yeah you mean you mean now now i mean do yeah. you feel or even where you're coming up through cal arts did people say we've got we want to make something that we call our own or was that not as important is it just making great work yeah, um, it's a good it's it's a good question. Um, I I saw Simone did a um, a talk last night, and um, at, after the talk, during the questions, people were asking her how she felt about now and what was going on, and mm. um, she said it was um, she felt like it was a transitional period we we're in right now, mm-hmm. and um, she, I mean, she, you can take that however you know yeah. you want. I mean, there's so much uh, going on right now, and um, she mentioned that with her generation, um, she felt like they had been sort of um, born into this uh, sort of fertile ground that had been laid out by all these past generations. She mentioned, I mean, people like Duchamp and you know mm-hmm. all the cage and that there was all of this um terrain that had been sort of broken open and they were there and they could basically just you know realize all of these things and um i think that's a, like an interesting way to think about um you know one's own work in relation to the work of the past um i would say um now um, like personally, my focus tends to be more on. Um, it's a little bit more nomadic, I guess I would say. Mm-hmm. Like where my interests go, I, I try to allow that to just kind of um, uh, carry me along. Versus like any sort of sure. like you know with a manifesto, like a like an intentional like direction. Um, it's more uh, um meandering and uh, I feel like that kind of inspiration for myself at least is the most um, in retrospect is just you know you you realize later why you went where you went yeah. and um, it yeah intuition and, and and feeling that creative impulse and pull and putting it into action and it's been put into action um, again uh, Tashiwata with Yoshiwata and Friends Nue is the album uh, continuation of Revenge International's Freakway series also uh, keep your ears on Saltern imprint Tashi's label putting out uh, great work here in Los Angeles and sharing it with the universe we're going to end on most likely a, a snippet a piece of a piece of a piece but what is uh, what is this that we're going to close on um, this is Litany, which is also from Nui. Um Yeah. Well, thanks for being on the show today, Tashi. Really appreciate it. And yeah. Thanks for making this work. Thanks so much for having me. Adios, folks. Here comes Litany from Tashiwada. <laughs> In Conversation was produced by DubLab, a nonprofit radio station broadcasting live from Los Angeles since 1999. Sound editing and theme song by Matea Bang. For more programming, visit dublab.com. And thank you for listening.